Chapter thirty two of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen, by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter thirty two The Santa Anita Rancho, eighteen seventy five. Until near the end of the seventies, there was very little done toward the laying of sewers, although the reader will remember that a private conveyor connected the Bella Union with the Zanja running through Mellis's row. Los Angeles Street from first to second, in eighteen seventy three, had one of brick and wood, and in eighteen seventy five a brick sewer was built from the corner of Main and Arcadia Streets down to Winston and thence to Los Angeles Street. It must have been in the early seventies that a wooden sewer was constructed on Commercial Street from Los Angeles to Alameda, and another on New High Street for about one block. In 1879, one of brick was laid from Los Angeles and Commercial as far north as Arcadia and connecting with the Main Street sewer. At about this same time, vitrified clay was used on a portion of Temple Street. My impression is that there was no cloaca laid on Spring Street until after 1880, while it was still later that Fort Hill and Olive Streets were served. As late as 1887, Hope Street had no sewer and very little conduit building, if any, had been undertaken south of 7th or west of Flower. In January 1875, the commercial bank, that was to change five years later into the First National, began business. Most of the incorporators were San Diego men, among them being Captain Henry Wilcox, although four, L.J. Rhodes, S.H. Mott, R.M. Town, and Edward Bouton, were from Los Angeles. M.S. Patrick of Chicago was president, and Edward F. Spence was cashier. Their room was on Main Street between Commercial and Rakina. J.E. Hollenbeck, who was succeeded by Spence, was the first president of the National Bank. J.M. Elliott, made cashier in 1885, has for years well filled the office of president. A pillar of strength in this institution is Vice President Stoddard Jess. Captain Wilcox, owner of the Colorado Steam Navigation Company, who finally sold out to the Pacific Mail Steamship Company, brought to California, on his own vessel in 1848, the first lighthouses. He married Senorita Maria Antonia Arguello, the granddaughter of an early governor of California. One of his daughters became the wife of Lieutenant Randolph Huntington Minor, and another married Lieutenant J.C. Drake. Captain Wilcox had induced E.F. Spence to come from San Diego to Los Angeles and thereby gave a decided impetus to the starting of the commercial bank. Milton Lindley, formerly an Indiana saddle-maker and treasurer of Los Angeles County in 1879, arrived here in 1875 accompanied by Walter the physician. Henry the banker who settled at Whittier, Albert an attorney, and Miss Ida B. a teacher. In the 80s he was twice supervisor. Dr. Walter Lindley, once a Minnesota schoolmaster, so soon established himself that in 1878 he was elected health officer and, in 1880, a member of the Board of Education. The following year he was president of the County Medical Society. With Dr. Whitney he contributed to the literature setting forth California's natural attractions, and with his brother-in-law, Dr. John R. Haynes, he took a leading part in organizing the California Hospital. Both Lindley and Haynes have identified themselves with many other important local institutions and movements. Madame Caroline Severance, already distinguished as the founder in 1868 of the first women's club in America, the New England of Boston, took up her residence in Los Angeles in 1875 and soon made her home, El Nido, the center of many notable sociological and philanthropic activities. 
especially active was she in promoting the free kindergarten working in cooperation with mrs grover cleveland and kate douglas wiggin the california author who was her protege and resided for some time at el nido when she was first becoming famous as a story writer on march twenty seventh the weekly mirror was again enlarged and a subscription rate of one dollar a year was charged by the beginning of eighteen seventy six a bindery was established in connection with the printery and a potter cylinder press one of the first operated west of the rockies was installed e j baldwin bought the santa anita rancho in april from h newmark and company a transaction recalled thirty-eight years later when in nineteen thirteen the box which had been sealed and placed in the cornerstone of the trinity methodist episcopal church at about the time of the sale was brought forth from its long burial baldwin had just sold his controlling interest in the ophir mine of the comstock district for five million five hundred thousand dollars in the same year we purchased of the vehar estate the splendid vineyard of fifty acres commencing at washington street on the south and a little east of main street and taking in many important sections of today selling it in the early eighties to caspar cohn who in turn disposed of it during the boom of that decade george compere somewhat noted as a local entomologist cared for this vineyard while we owned it baldwin died on march first nineteen o nine the sale of the santa anita is not without an incident or two perhaps of exceptional interest on lucky baldwin's first visit he offered us one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the property but learning that we wanted two hundred thousand dollars he started off in a huff then reuben lloyd the famous san francisco attorney who accompanied him said on reaching the sidewalk lucky go back and buy that ranch or they'll raise the price on you and baldwin returned carrying under his arm a tin box containing several million dollars from which he drew forth twelve thousand five hundred tendering the same as a first payment one can hardly refer to baldwin without recalling h a unruh in the late sixties in the employ of the central pacific it is my impression that i first met him at the baldwin hotel in san francisco this meeting may have occurred nearly thirty-five years ago and after his removal to the santa anita ranch where he took charge of baldwin's interests in the southland he transacted a large amount of business with h newmark and company in eighteen eighty seven unruh was also in partnership at la puente with a man named carroll the firm advertising as agents for baldwin's grain warehouse wells fargo and company's express and postmaster when baldwin died his will named unruh executor bradner w lee being the attorney ravenna on the southern pacific was a town of the middle seventies at whose start james o'reilly an irishman of medium build with reddish hair and a pug nose decidedly indented at the bridge turned up with a happy-go-lucky air always slovenly he wore a big black slouch hat on the back of his head as well as a good-natured expression in days of prosperity on his comical face he had a grocery famed for a conglomeration of merchandise not at all improved by age and hard usage and this he sold to a none too fastidious clientele he also cooked for himself bragging that he was sufficiently adroit to throw a slapjack up the chimney and catch it in the pan outside the shanty on its flop or turn when jim took to working a couple of claims known as the new york and parnell mines his tribulations began he spent more in the development of his property than he ever recovered and claim jumpers bothered him to death in truth once ascribing debatable motives to a man prowling there he took aim at the intruder and shot off an ear later he married but his wife soon divorced him in time his troubles affected his mind and having lost everything and come to fancy himself an alchemist he would sit for hours in the burning sun his temples plastered with english mustard industriously stirring a pestle and convinced that he could bring about a transmutation of the mortar full of mud in the end this good-natured son of aaron was one day found dead in his little shanty 
j a graves arrived in los angeles on june fifth and soon entered the office of brunson and eastman lawyers the following january he was admitted to practice before the supreme court and then became a member of the firm of brunson eastman and graves dissolved in eighteen seventy eight practicing alone for a couple of years graves in eighteen eighty formed a partnership with j s chapman on the dissolution of this firm in eighteen eighty five graves joined first h w o mulvaney and then j h shankland graves o mulvaney and shankland continuing until january nineteen o four on june first nineteen o three graves became vice president of the farmers and merchants national bank in the fall of eighteen seventy nine the young attorney married miss alice h daughter of j m griffith and for nine years they lived at the corner of fort and third streets in eighteen eighty eight they removed to alhambra where they still live in nineteen twelve graves published some entertaining reminiscences entitled out of doors california and oregon colonel w e morford a native of new jersey and late in the eighties superintendent of streets returned to los angeles in eighteen seventy five having previously been here morford had been assistant to captain sutter and when he left san francisco on march fourteenth eighteen forty nine to return east he carried the first gold taken from the diggings in the exciting era of eighteen forty eight this gold was sent by frank lemon a member of stevenson's regiment to his brother william a partner of john anderson the new york tobacco merchant and morford liked to tell how when the strange find was displayed on august twenty second in a little window of the well-known jewelry store of benedict at seven wall street near a high-hatted guard the narrow thoroughfare was soon beyond hope of police control thousands of curious excited people struggling to get a glimpse of the california treasure moses langley wicks was a mississippian who for some years had a law office at anaheim until in eighteen seventy seven or eighteen seventy eight he removed to los angeles and soon became an active operator in real estate he secured from jonathan s slosson who organized the azusa land and water company and helped lay out the town the dalton section of the san jose ranch wicks was also active in locating the depot of the santa fe railroad carrying through at private expense the opening of second street from maine almost to the river a brother moye wicks long an attorney here later removed to the state of washington southern california was now prospering in fact the whole state was enjoying wonderful advantages the great comstock mines were at the height of their prosperity the natural resources of this part of the country were being developed land once hard to sell at even five dollars an acre was being cut up into small tracts new hamlets and towns were starting up money was plentiful and everybody was happy about this time my brother j p newmark and i made a little tour visiting lake tahoe an unusual trip in that day as well as the mines of nevada virginia city gold hill and other mining camps were the liveliest that i had ever seen my friend general charles foreman was then superintendent of the overman and caledonia mines and was engaged in constructing a beautiful home in virginia city after the collapse of the nevada boom in the early eighties he transported this house to los angeles at a freight expense of eleven hundred and thirty five dollars and a total cost of over six thousand and located it on ten acres of land near the present site of pico and figueroa streets where mr and mrs foreman still residents of los angeles for years have enjoyed their home miners were getting high wages and spending their money lavishly owners of buildings in virginia city receiving from four to eight per cent a month on their investments w c ralston president of the bank of california at san francisco was largely responsible for this remarkable excitement for he not only lent money freely but he lent it regardless of conservative banking principles he engaged in indiscriminate speculation for a time legitimizing illegitimacy and people were so incited by his example that they plunged without heed 
all of nevada's treasure was shipped to san francisco whose prosperity was phenomenal from san francisco the excitement spread throughout the state but these conditions from the nature of things could not endure from bull to bear is but a short step when the public is concerned and it happened accordingly as it so frequently does that the cry of save yourself if you can involved california in a general demoralization one day in october eighteen seventy five when ralston's speculation had indeed proven disastrous the bank of california closed its doors and a few days after this ralston going a swimming in the neighborhood of the north beach at san francisco was drowned whether a suicide or not no one knows in the meantime the recessional frenzy extended all over the state and every bank was obliged to close its doors those of los angeles were no exception to the rule and it was then that temple and workmen suspended i w hellman who was on a european trip at that time forthwith returned to los angeles reopened the doors of the farmers and merchants bank and resumed business just as if nothing had happened following this panic times became dreadfully bad from greatest prosperity we dropped to the depths of despair specie disappeared from circulation values suffered and this was especially true of real estate in california temple and workmen's bank for reasons i have already specified could not recover personally these gentlemen stood well and had ample resources but to realize on these was impossible under conditions then existing they applied to e j baldwin a monte cristo of that period for a loan he was willing to advance them two hundred and ten thousand dollars but upon two conditions first that they would give him a blanket mortgage on their combined real estate secondly that their intimate friend juan matthias sanchez would include in the mortgage his splendid tract consisting of twenty two hundred acres of the finest land around the old mission sanchez who transacted a good deal of business with h newmark and company came to me for advice i felt convinced that temple and workmen's relief could be at best but temporary although i am sure that they themselves believed it would be permanent and so i strenuously urged sanchez to refuse which he finally promised me to do so impressive was our interview that i still vividly recall the scene when he dramatically said no quiero morir de hambre i do not wish to die of hunger a few days later i learned to my deep disappointment that sanchez had agreed after all to include his lands in the course of time baldwin foreclosed and sanchez died very poor temple also his pride shattered notwithstanding his election in eighteen seventy five to the county treasurership died a ruined man and workmen soon committed suicide thus ended in sorrow and despair the lives of three men who in their day had prospered to a degree not given to every man and who had also been more or less distinguished baldwin bought in most of the land at sheriff's sale and when he died in nineteen o nine after an adventurous career in which he consummated many transactions he left an estate of about twenty millions a pathetic reminder of sanchez and his one-time prosperity is an asador or meat toaster from the old sanchez homestead now exhibited at the county museum in eighteen seventy four senator john p jones came south and engaged with william m stewart his senatorial colleague once an obscure lawyer in downeyville and later in nevada croesus in mining at panamint purchasing all their supplies in los angeles about the same time colonel r s baker who had shortly before bought the san vicente rancho sold a two-thirds interest in the property to jones and one of their first operations was the laying out of the town of santa monica after the hotel and bathhouses had been built an auction sale of lots took place on july sixteenth eighteen seventy five and was attended by a large number of people including myself prospective buyers coming from as far as san francisco to compete with bidders from the southland tom fitch already known as the silver-tongued orator was the auctioneer and started the ball rolling with one of his most pyrotechnical efforts 
he described the place about to be founded as the zenith city by the sunset sea and painted a gorgeous vista of the day when the white sails of commerce would dot the placid waters of the harbor and the products of the orient would crowd those of the occident at the great wharves that were to stretch far out into the pacific then tom turned his attention and eloquence to the sale of lots which lay along ocean avenue each sixty by one hundred and fifty feet in size calling for a bid he announced the minimum price of three hundred dollars for sites along the ocean front several friends i m hellman i w hellman caspar cone eugene meyer and m j newmark had authorized me to act for them and i put in the first bid of three hundred dollars fitch accepted and stated that as many more of these lots as i wanted could be had at the same price whereupon i took five located between utah and oregon avenues these we divided among us each taking fifty feet front with the exception of building summer houses but strange to say none of us did so and in the end we sold our unimproved ground some years later i bought a site in the next block and built a house which i still occupy each year in the summer season three early characters of santa monica had much to do with the actual starting of the place the one l g Giro, a canadian walked out to santa monica one day in eighteen seventy five to get a glimpse of the surf and came back to town the owner of a lot on which he soon built the second permanent house there a small grocery and liquor shop in the eighties Giraud did good public service as a supervisor the second billy rapp also came in eighteen seventy five and built a small brick house on the west side of second street somewhere between utah and arizona avenues there after marrying a german frau he opened a saloon and pleasure seekers visiting santa monica on sundays long remembered billy's welcome and how on arrival of the morning train from los angeles he always tapped a fresh keg of lager after a while he closed his saloon and sold the little building for a town hall hard times in later years rapped at billy's door forcing him to work on the public streets until eighteen ninety nine when he died the third settler was george bohm who landed with the first steamer and within an hour or two invested in lots his family is there today another pioneer santa monica family was that of william d water who with his sons w s and e j originally members of the indiana colony at pasadena removed to the beach in eighteen seventy five my relations with these gentlemen were quite intimate when they conducted a general merchandise business that being but one of their numerous enterprises of late years w s vaughter has twice been postmaster at santa monica in eighteen seventy five paul kern who had come to los angeles in eighteen fifty four and was for years a baker set to work to improve a piece of property he owned at the junction of south main and spring streets between eighth and ninth at the end of this property he erected a two-story brick building still to be seen in the lower part of which he had a grocery and a saloon and in the upper part of which he lived toward the middle of the seventies a olyard the baker embarked in the carrying of passengers and freight between los angeles and santa monica sending a four-horse stage from here at half-past seven every morning and from santa monica at half-past three in the afternoon and calling at all four los angeles hotels as well as at the private residences of prospective patrons one dollar was the fare charged ralph leon had the only regular cigar store here in the late sixties occupying a part of the united states hotel and he was very prosperous until unable to tolerate a nearby competitor george a brother of william pridham he took up a new stand and lost much of his patronage pridham opened the second cigar store about eighteen seventy two or eighteen seventy three next to the hotel and leon moved to a shop near the farmers and merchants bank the names of these early dealers remind me of an interesting custom especially popular with captain tom billy workman and other lovers of the aromatic weed 
instead of buying cigars by the piece each of these inveterate smokers purchased a box at a time wrote his name on the lid and left it on a shelf of the dealer and from time to time they would slip in by a rear door and help themselves generally from their own or occasionally from their neighbor's supply when leon discovered that the patron's box was empty he would have it refilled in the autumn temple and workmen were obliged to suspend after closing temporarily they made an effort to resume but a run on the bank deprived them of all reserves and they finally had to close their doors it was the worst of all bank failures here the creditors losing everything some of the idea of the disaster may be gathered from the fact that the receiver finally sold worthless securities to the extent of about three hundred thousand dollars for the paltry sum of thirty dollars on the sixth of november eighteen seventy five mrs joseph newmark my wife's mother died here surrounded by her nearest of kin during the construction of the southern pacific railway sisson wallace and company who furnished both labor and supplies brought m dodsworth to los angeles and like many of their employees he remained here after the railroad was completed he engaged in the pork packing business for a long period prospered and built a residence on the southwest corner of sixth and main streets opening it with a large reception he was an honorable man and had a host of friends but about eighteen eighty seven when the santa fe had been built to los angeles the large eastern packers of hog products sent agents into southern california and wiped dodsworth out of business s j mathis came in eighteen seventy five helped enlarge the mirror and was identified with the times but failing health forcing him to abandon office work led him in the eighties to conduct pullman excursions in which undertaking he became a pioneer bringing thousands of tourists to the southland he also toured the country with a railway car exhibit known as California on Wheels, pointing the way of exploitation to later chambers of commerce. Toward the end of the year, when attention was being centered on the coming exposition at Philadelphia, I was asked by the Chamber of Commerce to assist in editing a report on the resources, conditions, population, climactic advantages, and mercantile interests of the city and county of Los Angeles the aim of the board was to make the report truthful and helpful and to distribute it gratis particularly at the centennial ben c truman wrote about cities towns and climate judge r m whitney reported on railroads h mcclellan the steamship agent who preceded willis paris the present representative and once a competent bill clerk in the employ of h newmark and company and brother of bryce and george f mcclellan told of ocean navigation dr j e fulton of fulton wells discussed farming dr j p whitney described our harbor d m barry argued for real estate governor downey presented banks and banking m keller and l j rose treated of vine culture j de b shorb looked after semi-tropical fruits and nuts and t a gary himself the owner of a charming place on san pedro street where his spiritualistic tendencies kept him up at night awaiting the arrival of spooks considered other fruits and nurseries w j broderick stated our advance in trades professions churches and societies e c french summed up about stock captain gordon recounted our prospects for beet culture while h d barrows and i prepared data as to the commerce of southern california thus compactly put together this booklet certainly led many easterners to migrate west and settle in los angeles and vicinity in the early seventies grange stores brought into existence by a craze for cooperation were scattered throughout the state and milton h lafetra in february eighteen seventy five helped to organize one here in time this establishment became known first as seymour and company and then as seymour johnson and company their location being on main street near first w h northcraft's activity as an auctioneer began about the middle of the seventies for a while he had an office in temple block but about eighteen eighty moved to the east side of los angeles street near rakina 
later to the seigneurette building and still later to the baker block in 1879 thomas b clark still well known in the profession came to los angeles and marrying northcraft's daughter joined his father-in-law in partnership cl northcraft a son was added to the firm alonzo b cass came to los angeles in 1888 accompanied by his brothers and soon after as cass brothers stove company they started a hardware store on third street purchasing some of the northcraft and clark's stock of merchandise a b cass who served as president of the chamber of commerce in 1901 has freely given of his time to public movements as president of the home telephone and telegraph company he has had much to do with their local success e w noyes was also a popular old-time auctioneer remaining in harness until he was seventy-five years old or more the mention of these names recalls the auction of past decades such a familiar feature of los angeles life in few respects were the methods of early days at all like those of our own there were no good catalogues no neatly arranged storerooms and but little expert service noise and bluff constituted a good even important portion of the necessary auctioneering talent household effects were usually offered at homes horses and these constituted the objects of most early auctioning activities were trotted up and down los angeles street for display and sale end of chapter thirty two